everyone, and welcome to the Cultivate Podcast with the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and so glad that you have joined us. Uh, we are in a series right now. We're talking about finding the balance. Um, one of the things that I think is really, really a problem right now, kind of in, in Christianity, is one, we like to fight about things. And, and very often, we're also not very thoughtful about some of the bigger issues. We kind of Make uh take a side, get in a camp, and we and we and we begin to start. And once you start joining a particular theological or moral camp, you just kind of end up, you know, oversimplifying things that are issues that are actually incredibly complex. And so, for the first uh, three weeks uh, of this series, we spent some time just kind of talking about some really key, important theological ideas that often. You know, we think are one or the other, but really the the there's there's a ba- there's a balancing of truths. And so, for these last three of what we're going to do in this series, we're going to switch away from the theo- theological and move more towards the moral. And there are three issues in particular that I think are probably I think I can say this with a lot of confidence probably the three most significant moral issues that Christians have to battle, at least the most complex ones. I mean, we could you know there there are certain things that are of incredible importance, but no one's really battling over what is or isn't murder. Is murder okay or not? Is is stealing okay or not? It's not I mean, but as far as like moral issues that just have enough ambiguity or weirdness to them or have enough struggle in them that really are, I mean, they're just, they become major struggles for Christians. And I would say end up becoming in one way or the other, kind of three of the most significant off-ramps of people whose lives become something other than what they really hoped their life would become. So I'm sitting here, I'm a Christian, I'm 20 years old, and I imagine what I hope my life is going to be like and what I think God is going to do in me or through me and kind of what my life can be. And you wake up 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now, and you're, and suddenly it's not. Um, I think there are some theological issues that we wrestle with that can that can that can be off ramps for us, and we spent some time talking about those, not just in the last three weeks, but all throughout this podcast. But I also think that there are three moral issues that I think one we oversimplify, and two, if we don't get right in our own brain, will ultimately can become really problematic for us. And when I say them, I guess I haven't said them yet, have I? Uh, they are in no particular order. I guess a particular order in the order in which we'll be talking about them. But in no ranking system, uh, we're going to be talking about alcohol, money, and sex. And those are, they can become real problems for people. And even as I say it, those three things, I say alcohol can be a problem. You say, yeah, it can be. And you think about one particular way. Money can be. Sex can be. And, and yeah, you agree. And very often we think about it in one particular way. And it's usually in the indulge way. If you indulge in that too much, it can become a real problem. And as we spend some time talking about these issues over these next few weeks, I'm not going to disagree with that statement, that, that the overindulging of any of those things in an unhealthy way can, can be problematic. But uh, hopefully, by the time we end our time together, you will understand that it is not just simply the overindulging or unhealthy indulging in these things that can be a problem. But the fear of them and to go the complete opposite of overindulgence can also be a real problem Um, because very often it kind of points to unhealthy thinking that we have about the issue and really unhealthy thinking that we have about moral issue almost always points 
to unhealthy, an unhealthy understanding about something that we believe about the character of God or about the way that God views us. So that was a whole lot of intro, but here we go. We're going to talk a little bit about alcohol. And one of the, I'll just, I'll start with one of my conclusions and we'll kind of build from there. People's like, man, what do you think about alcohol? It's not a, quite as big a deal. It's not quite as uh, uh, controversial as maybe as it used to be. Maybe we've just kind of so f- fully separated ourselves into camps and the camps don't talk to each other anymore that it's not controversial. But when people do ask me about it, I mean, I have a very simplistic kind of way of kind of describing my position. And I describe it this way. Alcohol is not a problem. It is not, there's, there's nothing bad about alcohol. It's not a problem um, all the way up until it is a problem. And you think, well, what do you mean by that? Well, just think about it. Alcohol, there's nothing wrong with alcohol un, until there is. And um, there's a line. There's a line that gets crossed and may, people may disagree about where that line is and what that line looks like, how best to avoid that line, kind of what, you know, Everybody understands, everybody knows somebody, or maybe you are that somebody, everybody knows somebody for whom alcohol is a problem. And for everyone who consumes alcohol, at some point for you, it can become a problem. There's a comes a point where it's like, well, that 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 wasn't that wasn't cool. That wasn't you shouldn't shouldn't have done that. And so it's not a problem until it is. And so we need to kind of flush that out a little bit. And at the same time, um, you know, some people will say, hey, when if it's if it's you know if it's fine until it becomes a problem, the best thing to do is to avoid it altogether. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. But let's just kind of go into first, kind of some some of kind of your basic, well understood teachings about the alcohol in the scripture. And again, everybody's go to verse. Everybody's go to verse when you talk about what the Bible says about alcohol is in Ephesians five. Ephesians five eighteen. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, we love to use that verse, and we love to kind of be this definitive idea of what the Bible says about alcohol. Like that, that, that's what the Bible says about alcohol. You shouldn't get drunk with wine. And some people act like that's the only thing that the Bible says, or and, and, and that just kind of ends the conversation. First of all, it's not the only thing. There's actually, the Bible says a lot more about alcohol than probably you are aware of, and some of it is probably going to make you uncomfortable no matter what you think about it. But first of all, we just need to make sure we understand Ephesians 5.18, it's not even, it's, that's not even the point. The point of this verse is anything to do with alcohol. It's actually, it's just a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. He's making a compare and contrast here. Do not allow, so what, what, is, what does getting drunk mean? What it means is I'm going to take an outside substance, put it into me internally, and this external substance that is now inside of me gives, takes control of my life in such a way where I'm still doing the things, but really it is this substance that is controlling me. So I get drunk. It's still me doing the things, but I am under the influence of this formerly external and now internal entity. Don't do that. That's debauchery. And the Old Testament is actually full of things. And we'll look at some of these verses, just kind of full of verses, just kind of just how bad that is to kind of lose that control and allow and allow a state of drunkenness to kind of inform you and, and kind of control you. But he compares that to being filled with the Spirit, again, which is a very similar thing. The Spirit is external to you, and then you follow Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes into you, and you want the Spirit to have control of you in the same way that the, the, that alcohol does. So it's actually a really, really, really clever metaphor. 
by Paul to make that compare and contrast between being filled with the Spirit and controlled by the Spirit and being drunk with wine, being controlled by wine. It's actually a very powerful metaphor. But at the same time, the Bible the Bible does say that. It does say, don't get drunk with wine. I mean, it, do, it does say, it, don't get drunk. But again, it's, it's, not, it's not the only thing that it says. I mean, Proverbs 20, 21, wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it is not wise. I mean, think, what does that mean? It's like, bro, seriously, I, if I just said that to you, you know what it means. Wine is a mocker. And strong, maybe you don't know what that is, but you certainly know what strong drink a brawler means. You know, strong, too much strong drink, man. Brawlers coming out one way or the other. And wine is a mocker. It just kind of, it just, it just, it turns you into somebody mock worthy and strong drinker turns you into a fighter. I mean, I think those things are both true. It's just kind of like you allow yourself to cross a certain line with drinking and you become somebody you wish that you weren't, and you begin to do things that you wish you weren't. You have a particular concern that perhaps you are medicating with alcohol. There actually is a verse that says that, Proverbs 31.6, give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. I mean, there is a, there is a verse in Proverbs that just kind of talks about, hey, you're not, you're not feeling well physically, you're not doing well personally, you know? To, to have that, something like that, that just kind of brings you a little bit of calm, a little bit of peace in a distressful time. I'm like, well, that's something that the Bible says, hey, man, that's, that's, that, that's what it can do. And again, so apparently it's fine for that. And then there's another very famous verse that people like to quote. And I don't, I don't, I don't know why we, we, we quote it so much, but it's when, it's when, it's when Paul tells Timothy to, um, to, to drink wine for his stomach. First uh, Timothy five twenty three. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. And so he kind of uses alcohol as a medicinal, uh, a medicinal idea. And so people's like, hey man. So we got we got these two ideas. Don't get drunk. And Paul says it's okay for Timothy to drink wine, but again, he tells him to drink wine in a very limited circumstance that he's having a stomach ailment. And and then he's also we also look in Proverbs it's like, hey, you're not you know, you're distressed. You know, it's it's a problem you know, it's okay. Have, have a little bit of wine. And so I think we'll just start here. We'll just start here. Kind of oh, we're all over the map for a little bit. I think we all understand that drunkenness, this complete lack of control, when you step out of yourself, it's a, it's a problem. It's, it's, just, it's just taking it too far. And there's just way too many examples of that. It's, it's when alcohol becomes dangerous and the person drinking it becomes dangerous. We all understand that. Okay, and I, and I, and, I, and, I, and I hope that we do. It doesn't matter that Ephesians 5.18 says don't get drunk with wine. I mean, even if, we, even if, even if it didn't. Like, that's really not a, a definitive word, word about that at all. But it's like, I mean, but there's also, again, there's all sorts of things. Ephesians, uh, Isaiah 5. Isaiah 5. Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may run after strong drink. Galatians 5 talks about drunkenness. Uh, Galatia, I mean, uh, yeah, a couple times, actually, in Galatians 5, it talks about... Uh, Drunkenness. First Timothy three, the same thing with the don't get drunk with wine. He's like you, people should not should be dignified, not addicted to much wine, which is a real interesting way of saying it, not addicted to much wine. It's a little again, implying there just a little bit of wine all throughout the scriptures speaks against this who we become when we allow this kind of external alcohol to kind of control us. And we and we and, and we begin to change. That 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 is not the temperament that God wants us to have. 
He wants to be people who are controlled by him, controlled by spirit, who are people of peace and are not overly medicating on things that kind of bring this calm. And, and, and drunkenness is a problem. It, 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 is, a, it is a cause of abuse. It's a cause of, of fatal accidents. I mean, there's lots of problems that come from it. And so as a response to that, what very often happens is, is we take Christians, we kind of look at these verses and say, and we call what is called a teetotaler approach. You may have never heard that phrase in your life, but the teetotaler, a teetotaler is someone who has made a decision that I'm going to um, have complete abstinence on the situation. Like it is, it has the potential for bad, therefore I'm not going to do it. Okay. Now, if that is a decision that you want to make, it has the potential for bad, therefore I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't do that. If that is a decision that you make, is a moral decision, a personal decision that you make, the problem becomes it has the potential for bad, therefore it's bad, right? There's lots of things that we can, I mean, talking has the potential to go bad, expressing your feelings giving an opinion, um, Bible study. I haven't seen Bible study. Bible studies gone bad. Maybe I'm going to the wrong kind of Bible studies, but like people like to argue about things and arguing can turn to anger and people, you know, get divided in friendships. Sports, I mean, there's lots of bad things happen in sporting events. And like, like the potential for bad doesn't make something morally bad. And again, we've already looked at a couple of examples of, um, of times where it's called for, including kind of soothing yourself when you're under distress. But here's the big one. And again, this is, I, I guess I should go to the one, the more stereotypical one. John chapter two. John chapter two, Jesus is invited to a wedding. They run out of wine. Mom comes to him and says, I want you to make some more wine. And he says, come on now, I'm not doing miracles yet. And he never really agrees to it. Mom just kind of then looks at the people who are hosting the party and goes, I just do whatever he says. So then Jesus says, hey, fill up these um, clay pots with water. And then he, they fill them up with water and boom, he turns it into wine, um, which is a really interesting, was a really interesting thing. And then they drink it. And then the guy is like, the guy who is kind of serving the wine, it's like, man, normally like people are like, you serve out the good wine first. And when everybody's kind of had too much and doesn't know any different, they, um, they bring out the, 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 the lesser wine. But like, this is the best wine. So a few interesting observations to make about that passage is that Jesus was, was somewhere where alcohol was being consumed. Two, was that a place where um, so much alcohol was being consumed that they ran out? And maybe it was because the people were poor and just kind of hope people wouldn't drink very much. And so there is kind of a hospitality trying to save people from embarrassment thing here. Um, and so then Jesus is asked to solve this problem and he chooses to do so. He chooses to do so. And he chooses to create wine that actually is really, really good. I mean, I mean obviously Jesus is going to make something that's going to be really, really good, but he has the ability if he chooses to, to make mediocre wine. Um, and then the way they describe it, like usually they give the, um, the lesser wine at the end because people are too out of it really to kind of know the difference anymore, which implies that the people that had been consuming the wine, it seems like maybe they're, they're getting towards the tipping point of, I mean, they've had a decent amount of wine. And it is a real interesting thing here to say that Jesus made wine 
in that environment. Uh, whatever it is you think Jesus' position on alcohol is needs to take that into consideration. But indeed, it's kind of as he's talking about himself, Matthew chapter 11, for John, talking about John the Baptist, for John came neither eating or drinking, and they said he has a demon. So John the Baptist was an abstinence guy. He didn't, he didn't indulge in things. He kind of lived out in the wilderness. He kind of had this real kind of stereotypical prophet mentality. He was abstaining from everything. And the people looked at him and said, that dude, he's just crazy. He's actually got a demon. Yeah, that's how they describe John. And then Jesus comes around. He's the opposite. This is him. This Again, this is him describing himself. The son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Now they're describing, they're saying that what they're saying about him is that he is a drunkard. That is not the same as Jesus being a drunkard. I'm not saying that the Bible is now saying that Jesus was a drunkard. saying they are accusing him of being a drunkard. But what does Jesus say about himself? That he came eating and drinking. He participated in these feasts and drank and ate alongside of them. Participated in it. He doesn't say the son of man came and y'all think he was eating and drinking. No, it says that he was. He was, he was doing that. And so it does not seem that Jesus was a teetotaler, not just simply in the creation of alcohol, but in the consumption of it, okay? And so what now, again, we've got, we've, got, we've, got, we've got two things that I think are really, really clear. And some people try to disagree on this, but I don't think you can. Drunkenness is a problem. Drunkenness is a problem. I don't see how you can disagree with that one. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a real problem. And Jesus did not fully abstain from drinking wine. Now, there are a few people out there in the world and maybe you have accidentally found this podcast and you're one of these people who, who believe that somehow anytime the Bible talks about wine and Jesus is involved, it's talking about grape juice. But anytime it talks about wine and it's saying something bad, that it's alcohol. And that is a very weird kind of position to take because it's not like there's different words out there. You just kind of come to the assumption that alcohol is bad. And so anytime it's mentioned in a good context, it can't be alcohol. It's got to be some sort of non-fermented grape juice. That's how I grew up, non-fermented grape juice. Why doesn't it say juice? I would ask. Stop asking questions. That was said to me a lot. Stop asking questions. So we got these two things. Jesus was not an abstinence. He was not a teetotaler. And drunkenness becomes a problem. And now what happens to people, and this is where we can go bad. You can go bad with alcohol from overindulgence. Again, I don't think you can argue with me about that. Alcohol becomes a problem when we overindulge, but alcohol also becomes a problem when we begin to make these kind of overarching rules to say alcohol in every context is always wrong. And because, and, and because the Bible doesn't say that, there are some contexts in which it's okay. We have, we have the medicinal ones, the soothing of the grieving person, and seemingly Jesus was drinking in social context to build relationships with people. And so we have, these, we have these examples of alcohol all the time isn't wrong. And they say, but it's dangerous. You're right, it is dangerous. But it is not in and of itself evil. And the use of it is not in and of itself evil. And so it just feels like, so well, Charlie, but if you say that, if you say that it's not in and of itself evil, then that might lead people to do something really, really wrong. And, and we, have to, we have to get out of this. This is kind of be the, one of the themes that we talk about over the next three weeks. 
We cannot allow the fear of one extreme to put us in a different one. Where suddenly, because if I decide that this is okay, something bad can happen, I'm going to make a rule that says that it's not okay, even though that's not a Bible rule. Again, if you want to make a personal rule, it is not good for me, then that is totally understandable. And then others say, oh, I I hear you, I hear you already yelling at your radio. Bro, it's not just that. Sometimes it is the wise decision to not consume alcohol because it can become a problem for someone else. You don't want to, quote, I don't want to make my brother stumble. Okay? So I will, we'll, we'll go to the verse here in Romans chapter 14, verse 21. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. Okay? And so you'll, you'll see this in different passages. Um, Paul will talk about different things. Hey, you don't want to make your brother fall. You don't want anything to cause your brother Stumble, you don't want to do you, do you don't you don't want to do anything that's going to cause a problem for someone else. You know, you don't want to cause it talks about the weaker brother. You don't want to cause a weaker brother to stumble. So let's just make sure though, before we start throwing this passage around, that we make sure one, that we understand what he's talking about, and two, we understand who the weak brother is that's going to fall or stumble. Let's just go back one verse before we go back a whole bunch more verses. Verse 20 of Romans chapter 14. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Okay? All food is clean. Basically, what he's saying is, hey, um, it's not the thing in and of itself that is the problem. It's not, it's not the thing in and of itself. It's, but it's so, but if it, if it can, if it's going to become a problem for somebody else, then, then you sh- shouldn't do it. All right. So let's w- 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 go even back even further. Okay. 14, verse one, except the one whose faith is weak. All right. So we're talking about people who have weak faith. This person's got a weak faith. You need to accept somebody who has a weak faith without quarreling over disputable matters. Hey, it's kind of like the, what we're doing right now over the next two weeks. We're talking about disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables, okay? So the person who has the weak faith in Romans chapter 14 is the person who believes that you have to abstain to be godly, okay? Write that down. Write that down. That's what he's talking about. The the person who feels like you have to abstain from something to be godly, there's certain things you can't do That's the person that Paul describes as having the weak faith. The person who feels the freedom to do whatever is the one with the strong faith. So if we zip back down to say, I don't want to let somebody who has a weak faith stumble, then it is the person who is consuming saying, my friend thinks alcohol is bad, which makes him weak. And so I need to make an adjustment for him. And so one of the, one of the little, lines that I have is like, yeah, I will stop doing what I'm doing to keep the weaker brother from stumbling, but you have to admit that you're the weaker brother. And that this is kind of a weird, awkward conversation to have. And the interesting thing part about this, Isaac, I don't talk to Isaac much. He's right here. 
Like, I don't drink alcohol. It's not a thing to me. I don't like the way it tastes. I have an oversensitivity to bitter things. And I'm not advocating for anything that I'm doing personally. I'm just trying to advocate for really, really good theology here. All right? The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? Talking about God's people. To their own master, servant, stand or fall, and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Okay? So, so verse 13, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or a sister. So we, we started with verse 21. We'll end with verse 22 and 23. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. What? Oh, Isaac, I just made a mistake. I made a mistake. I told you what I do. I was like, I'm sorry, so to keep it. So to keep it, keep it between me and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything does not come from faith is sin. Okay, so essentially what Paul is saying here is like, man, I get it. You've got to make a personal moral choice. And that choice that you make is between you and God, and you should not dishonor the commitment that you personally make to God. But you should essentially keep that to yourself. I mean, obviously, there's some things about that you can't keep to yourself. If you have a beer around somebody, that's showing what you do. And if you choose not to, that's saying something. But as far as just kind of like this idea of, I'm going to be known as this person who is adamantly pro-alcohol. I'm a Christian who drinks. Like to me, can I just say, can I just say, that's a little off-putting. Look at me, I'm a Christian with a beer. I don't care that you're a Christian with a beer anymore. I care that you're a Christian without a beer. Just be a, just be a person who drinks beer and be a Christian, but don't be, don't be that guy. Like my personality is how edgy I am because of what I do. But also don't make it your personality that somehow you're better than everybody because of what you don't do. I mean, I think Paul's, if you read all of Romans chapter 14, you'd be like, I don't understand why you're making this such a big deal. God has declared it fine, but something about your conscience says that it's not. So you don't, and you shouldn't then, but don't get worked up about someone who, who, who does. And if I were going to add one real big exemption to all of this is there are people whose lives have been really damaged by alcohol, maybe because of their own problems with alcohol or because of something with a family member. And I think we should always be respectful with people who struggle personally with alcoholism or have struggled because of some, just from, who struggle with secondary effects from family members and for who alcohol is a stumbling block, not because of their moral conviction about what they think the Bible says, but because of their personal experience. I think it is of incredible importance that we always conduct ourselves with kindness and respect around those people. And I would gladly do or not do something in order to make that person feel comfortable. And so I want to show that kind of respect. I think that is of incredible importance for all of us. But I will tell you an opposite story of that, which is which sound really weird. Like I told I already told you I don't I don't drink alcohol, not for necessarily any more reasons, but for taste reasons. 
And honestly, I'm just, I mean, I don't, I like, I'm not, I try not, not to judge, like Paul's telling me not to judge. I, a little bit, I judge people who drink beer because it just tastes awful. And why are you doing it? It just tastes so bad. But again, that's me. I understand that I'm the weird one, but I'm living in St. Louis and there's guys down the neighbor. He just started coming to church. Didn't really grow up going to church and was trying to build a relationship with him. He comes over to my house, we're watching sports and he just pull, he pulls two beers out of his cooler and just very casually and naturally hands me one. And I'm like, in that moment, in that moment, the best way to honor him is to drink that beer. Even if I had had a moral objection, the best way for me to honor and love him and to keep him from stumbling, to keep him from falling, was to do that with him. And I did. I consumed that whole beer and I didn't enjoy it, um, but I did it. And then there was another time there was a neighborhood party where something very similar happened. I'm hanging out with all of our neighbors and... And, and this is just kind of what's going on. And like, hey, man, come over here and be with us. And it was just the right thing to do in that environment to show love and camaraderie with them to do something I didn't want to do. And I think that is the attitude we need to have in this kind of weird middle balancing state. I'm willing to do something I don't want to do to show someone love. And I'm willing to not do something I want to do in order to show someone love. And I'm not going to make a big deal about the moral conviction that another person comes to. And so, again, alcohol becomes a problem when we allow it, one, to we overindulge in it, it becomes a problem for us personally and then the people that we interact with. But then alcohol becomes a problem when we have such an uptight, judgmental attitude about it that we lose sight of the bigger picture of Scripture, which is, God has declared these things to be okay, and God has called us to never make this an issue of judgment. And so somewhere in between these two is I am willing to restrict or indulge, depending on the situation, whatever is the best thing for other people that I'm with in the situation, and that I'm not thinking about what I have the right to do. And I am not overly thinking about what I think other people should and shouldn't do, but I'm allowing my convictions to be my convictions. And I'm also making sure that I am not judging anybody, that I'm not making this a bigger deal than what I ought and trusting God and what he says about the freedom that we now have in Christ. And so that's kind of where we're going. I don't know if I went with the, the, the biggest one or the easiest one first, but we're going to keep this going over the next couple of weeks and kind of talk about money and then sex. And again, we think about what money becomes a problem when we're too greedy and we want too much, but there's a, there's a balancing problem there too, or sex, like indulging in an unhealthy way, but not, you know, the way that we, but also the way that we think about sex, whether we're indulging it or not, even you can be abstaining in every possible way. And you could still have a really unhealthy perspective. And then sex can become a problem for you there as well. So we're going to talk about those two things over the next couple of weeks. Encourage you to come back and join us for that. Um, as always, um, if you are in Northwest Arkansas, we'd love to meet you. Uh, you can come by. You can go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect. Find the details about the service. Uh, fill out a little form there. Let us know that you're listening. We'd love to meet you. Um, we love to see you on a Sunday morning. Um, if you're not around, but you like to connect with us anyway, you can go to that same website. You can also join us as we're streaming our service, um, our 1030 service live every Sunday. Either way, we would love to connect with you. Again, I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thanks for joining us.